This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now we are going to check in with someone on the ground in Kiev. Andrei Kulikov is a radio host in the Ukrainian capital, and he joins me now. Hello, Andrei. Thank you so much Hello, for being Libby. with us. Hello. Hello. So uh, what is it like today? We saw these terrible explosions last night. Where are you and uh, how are you doing? Well, uh, frankly speaking, I'm rather close to the place uh, where explosions were last night. But then again, you may have different opinions on what is rather close. Um, At least I can tell you that uh, my windows shook yesterday and uh, that I'm now without central heating. But uh, in spite of the fact that there is some snow on the ground, I'm still warm and to speak figuratively i'm warm also because there is attention from canadians and from people in other countries let's see how long this will uh, help us survive i think that we have not yet reached the limit of our resilience and thank you for your help and for your attention Today, I spent three hours uh, on air because our uh, radio station is conducting a, what we call a radio marathon information, talking to people in different uh, parts of the country. And uh, then I went to fetch some water from, uh, I don't know even uh, if there's a, such a... Uh, uh, I don't know the English word for this, but there's a well, let's say a well, not far from where I live. And while I was going back and forth, there were more explosions. And uh, at the moment, I'm in my kitchen. Uh, blinds are down. Uh, window blinds are down. And uh, I'm talking to your radio, Radio Zoomer. Right? Yes, Zoomer Radio. Um, We are very disturbed to see this escalation of the war on civilians, escalating number of casualties, and there's that uh, terrifying and also weird sitting convoy right outside the city. Well, not right outside, to be again, to be more precise. The convoy was approaching us for several days now, and... Uh, again, if you consider 20 kilometers away, uh, which is probably 12 to 14 miles, then this is right outside. We have uh, got used to Russians approaching. There were uh, fierce battles some three or four days ago uh, where they are now. And from what I know, the battle is raging on even now. By the way... They have passed a small village where my country house is and where my kids used to live uh, even five days ago before they went to the West. And uh, I got photos from there because uh, two uh, private houses 
just uh, 150 to 20 to 200 meters from where our houses were hit today by shells. Oh no! One, yeah, one house was completely destroyed, and another, uh, they only lost their sense. But of course, with all these fragments and shrapnel, it was dangerous for the people who remained there as well. What about food, water, supplies? Uh, how in the city uh, do people have enough to eat? Uh, yes, uh, the biggest deficit now is cash. Not all the small uh, shops accept uh, cards. So to use your card, you have to go to a supermarket. They Most of them are working. There's enough food. Uh, today we even had bread on sale for, I would say, for a week. Uh, first, first time for a week. But as far as other stuff is concerned, there's vegetables, there's pasta, there's water, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and... Um, well, it is relatively safe to drink water from water pipe. You know, again, I don't know whether I use the correct English term. So in this respect, we are okay. Yesterday's explosions near the Central Railway Station damaged the heating line for quite a portion of the city. But uh, gas is here, electricity is here. And uh, the reason why I am in the kitchen is also because it is obviously the warmest place in my flat, especially after I uh, boiled some water for coffee. So we we manage so far, and I'm quite sure that we will uh, manage overall. We shall overcome. We certainly hope so. What is the feeling here? We have people saying, some people say it will be over soon. Some people don't expect that. What is your feeling on the ground there? Uh, frankly, Libya, I'm in two minds. I'm in two minds because uh, the logic prompts that it has to be over soon. And... Um, the Russians obviously have not uh, expected to meet such resistance. And if they care about their own soldiers and their families, they should withdraw or at least stop uh, uh, where they are now. On the other hand, knowing the nature of the present Russian regime, and by the way, historically also, I think that they will continue to press on. And um, on the one hand, they uh, <clears throat> uh, may just make crush the Ukrainian resistance in some places, and they are doing this. In other places, we conduct successful counteroffensives. At any rate, if they even occupy a considerable part of the country, there is a strong tradition of partisan movement, guerrilla movement in Ukraine. So at any, in any case, this won't be over soon. Unless, of course, and here I shudder to say this, Putin uses nuclear weapons. Oh, my God. Uh, Andre, uh, what would you like to leave us here in Canada with? First of all, every thought and every word from Canada is a 
powerful uh, support for us. And of course, we know that Canada sends uh, weapons, defensive weapons. I read today, uh, I know this is about America, but for, uh, I mean, uh, United States, but I know lots of people in Canada, mostly of Ukrainian, but not only of Ukrainian origin, who care uh, about us. And uh, I talk to my friends from the organization uh, which is called Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. I talk to my friends in different uh, Canadian universities. I know that, for instance, the Ottawa Senators, the hockey club, uh, decided to start every their match with playing the Ukrainian anthem. This all helps. Uh, although some people might say, what does it help? Believe me, it does help. Um, I also had a money transfer from Canada. One of my friends sent me something like 300 Canadian dollars, which is not a bad sum for an individual in Ukraine. It's another thing that uh, I have no difficulties in getting this money. But uh, if you want to help Ukrainians, find a trust, uh, trustable public organization, charity fund in Canada. They have uh, corresponding uh, relations in Ukraine, corresponding links, and they will prompt you how to better help Ukrainians at this moment. Of course, political support means a lot, so press your senator, press your representative, if I'm using the right terms, to press the government, although Canadian government has been one of the staunchest we, we, they are uh, totally on side on that. Andrei Kulikov, thank you so much for being with us. Stay safe, you, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. I sure hope so, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Now I'd like to welcome renowned photographer Ed Bertinsky, who has been offering his art in the service of Ukraine. Ed, of course, is Ukrainian-Canadian. His parents came to Canada after being displaced by the Nazis during the Second World War and taken to work camps. His 98-year-old mother worked in Canada for Ukrainian liberation for years Ed is giving a special print of a famous work to the first 30 people who show him a $10,000 receipt for a donation to the Red Cross's humanitarian relief for the country. Hi, Ed. Thanks for being with us. Great to be here, Libby. So uh, how many of those prints have you uh, given away? Well, uh, actually, we were oversold. So uh, we we put out, the, uh, actually, uh, my wife and I, Julia, had the idea on Saturday afternoon, driving around Collingwood, we have a property up, 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 up a place that we stay up north. And uh, and then on, we drafted uh, together uh, an Instagram post and a Twitter post to say we're going to offer two prints, uh, 15 of addition of 15 of each, and to the first 30 people who donate, 10,000 to the Red Cross, and then the Canadian government was matching those funds, so that turned to 20. And we expected to work at it for the whole week and using my dealers and, and my client lists and all that of people who have purchased my work in the past, but 
we posted it on Sunday night at eight o'clock, and on Monday morning at ten, we had to post. Uh, uh, you know, please stop putting money into the Red Cross. We don't have any more prints left. So it was um, kind of uh, really surprising and really exciting to see the kind of outpouring and and how I think people are so um, taken aback by by what's happening in Ukraine and uh, and to see this level of funding. Because uh, by the time it was all done, and, and then we ended up having people just say, hey, um, I know there's no more prints left, but I'll put in 10000 So we actually could, could count on about $650,000, $700,000 that came in to the Red Cross in, in, in less than a day. And, and then the other corporations started to jump in as well. So, you know, we saw that Telus jump in and RBC jump in. So, um, so it is really, really uh, encouraging to have that kind of response to such discouraging news of, of what's happening in Ukraine. Well, um, the, the government reached its matching limit of $10 million very quickly. And, uh, of course, your work is renowned. I mean, when we looked at it, I know my husband said to me, hey, well, you know, t- 10000 would be a bargain for any of Ed's work. Uh, it, it is, um, but uh, I'm, that, I'm sure part of the encouragement of doing that, and and I was happy to make this special edition. Um, and in in the special edition, there will be an inscription to you know to those and and to what the the print was for, uh, you know, for the the support of humanitarian efforts in, in in the Ukraine during this troubling time. So we're going to put a dedication on the label, so that will go out into the world as well as um, a special edition for this particular moment in time. And um, and because I, in a way, have the, you know, over the last 40 years, I've been building a, a kind of an audience of my work, and, and I've had, you know, great, you know, great success with dealers over around the world. And so, um, you know, this platform has really allowed me to uh, put it to good use. And for the first time, I've actually used my own, you know, social media feed um, and my followings, uh, and and that's all that, that we did. We just posted on my existing social media feeds, and we fulfilled all the orders. We didn't have to go to uh, mail outs from my dealers or anything like that. So it really, it really reminded me of the power of of social media when put to the good. I mean, we often discuss the things that it can do that are negative, but boy, it can sure do some powerfully good things as well. Yeah. Um, tell me. What this means to you, I'm sure you grew up with the stories from your parents. First of all, have you talked to your mother about this? Oh, yeah, I have. I have. Actually, it was hilarious because she thought I was giving, it was like I was writing a check. And she says, I told you, Eddie, to only give $500. How can you give them $600,000? And I said, no, no, Mom, I didn't give them that much money. It's okay. Um, but she was, she was afraid that I gave all my money away. Uh, and I assured her that it was just, uh, it, it was a whole, you know, complex um, set, of, set of things that we did. But, but, uh, but she was so pleased because, um, again, she was the president of the Women's League in St. Catharines uh, for the freeing, freeing of Ukraine. So she did, you know, bake sales and pierogi sales for decades. I remember uh, her at the hall with all the other women and making bake sales and then taking all the proceeds and sending them to Ukraine. So she's been a staunch advocate for the freeing of Ukraine and, um, and you know, and, and the head of that uh, uh, organization for a while in St. Catharines. So so in a way, I was just really following on her legacy of of uh, the work that she did, and 
and, and she was really pleased to to hear that. Although she still uh, kind of wishes that she didn't have to see this. I mean, she's in her you know final years of life, and and to see this has been very painful for her. And and what does it mean to you as a uh, I don't know if you're first or second generation, but yeah, I was born I was born um, in St. Catharines. So uh, about five years after my parents got here um, from from Germany, um, and uh, so I, I, it's in a funny way I've not been back. I've not been back to Ukraine. I've not been to Ukraine for all the countries I've been to. Ukraine. Uh, I almost got there a couple of years ago, but something intervened. And uh, so, um, but I know of, you know I was born and raised. My first language was Ukrainian. I still speak the language with my mother, um, and uh, it's always been you know part of my identity and not like when I came here I had no aunts and no uncles no grandparents no cousins nothing so in a way I, I you know I had Ukrainian heritage but I never had uh any kind of relationship with with family so it was just you know my parents and my brother and my sister and the other Ukrainians who also were displaced during the second world war who settled in St. Catherine so so that that was an interesting thing and and in a, in a lot of ways I felt that because I didn't have that path, I got to invent myself, and I wasn't compared to you know you look you know you, you look like Uncle Fred or that's a behavior that you know uh, you know Jerry has or whatever in your family. It's I, I was you know uh, like uh, there were no comparisons. I just had to kind of figure my own way out, and uh, and it's amazing that I in, in Canada I was able to kind of you know go from um, you know working in St. Catharines at GM to saying I want to be an artist and coming to Toronto and studying and, and then finding a way to uh, make a living at, at selling my work. And, and so I feel absolutely uh, lucky and privileged to be living in this country where we're free to think and do what we want and, and we have our own agency. And uh, I understand completely the fight that the Ukrainians are because um, who wants to live under a, a regime where most of the money is being siphoned off into a uh, few hands and, and, um, you know, and free speech is suppressed. And, um, you know, it, it's just why, how, who would, uh, who could blame Ukraine for wanting to, uh, tack towards uh, a European way of life versus tacking towards a Russian way of life in a way, because, uh, you know, they're, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not aspirational in a way. And, and I can un- understand the fight to want to keep their freedom and, their way of life and uh, their leadership and their resolve is is really remarkable. Ed Bertinsky, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, we are over time. Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow, and uh, we can talk about all the things that you heard here today. That's all the time we have. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.